Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Chris Dooley. Our main focus is on Italy this week, where Sunday's election has resulted in a hung parliament and set the scene for weeks of political wrangling over the country's next government. Just like every other Italian election, you might say. But this one has caused a bigger ripple across the continent than most. Our Europe editor, Patrick Smith, will tell us why. And I'll be talking to Dan McLaughlin about the murder in Slovakia last month of investigative journalist Jan Kuciak and the political fallout from that. But first to that election in Italy, and Paddy Smith joins me now from Brussels, where the result has been greeted with something of a collective shiver down the spine. Paddy, can you give us a quick recap first on the outcome of the election? Who were the big winners and who lost? Well, the big winners were the, the populists uh, in two shapes. The Five Star Movement, uh, a very strange group which is difficult to define, but is generally speaking on the right, uh, anti-immigrant uh, populist uh, party. And then Lega, which used to be called Lega Nord, which used to be a regionalist party and has now extended its, its uh, uh, target to, to the south of the country as well. It's led by a guy called Matteo Salvini, who's an extreme right-winger on, on immigration issues, and uh, who was in alliance with Berlusconi's party. And to everybody's surprise, um, Salvini's Lega beat uh, Forza, um, which was led by uh, Berlusconi, and therefore triggered the deal that the, the two of them had, that the winner of the, of the internal contest, if you like, between the two parties, would be the, would be the alliance's um, nominee for prime minister. So you have uh, those two parties vying uh, to um, build alliances to, to uh, set up a government. Um, on the left, the, peop- uh, the Partito Democratico um, was absolutely pulverized. It, it, it lost half its, its vote. And this is the outgoing has- party of government, yeah. It's the party in government at the moment, um, but its leader, who, who was previously in government, Matteo Renzi, has now resigned, um, inevitably, I suppose, because of such a bad, bad result. So th- those are the main um, headlines of the, story, of the week. And just on, on the Five Star Movement, Paddy, just to look at them a little m- more closely, because they did emerge with by, by far the biggest single vote of a single party. You, you, you mentioned in the, in the Irish Times today it's a, it's a maverick force that almost defies description, but I'm, I'm going to ask you to have a go anyway. How, how would you describe them? You mentioned they're, they're more to the right than the left, but I think when they started off, they were probably seen as a left-wing force. Well, essentially, they, they are anti-politics and anti-party um, they were launched by a comedian called Beppe Grillo, and uh, they've built a mass base uh, around a sort of social media uh, cam- campaign, uh, and they undoubtedly appeal to, to, to young people. The in- important thing, though, is to, to understand about them is that their base is largely in the south of the country, and that they represent really uh, the more impoverished uh, communities of, of, of the southern, southern Italy, those who are probably living on welfare, those who aren't at the moment paying any taxes, uh, those who are suffering most egregiously from, from the corruption that is rampant in places like Naples or in Sicily. Um, the party has a, a very mixed bag of, of rep- representatives. None of them have ever served in national national office. And the two municipalities of Rome and Turin, which they ran, they ran extremely badly. So people don't really have very much confidence in their ability to run the country. And I think they did say before the election, Five Star had said they were not interested in going into coalition with any other party, but they seem to have softened their stance on that since the election. Is that right? Yeah, they've they very much um, done a volte fast in the last couple of days. 
they had had prided themselves on the fact that they wouldn't make alliances with other establishment parties. And uh, they're now saying, but the country needs us, and therefore we we will do our thing by Italy, and we will uh, uh, look for for allies. Now, it has to be said that this is somewhat half-hearted at the moment. They're they're suggesting to potential allies that that, uh, they won't give them any ministerial positions and that they might support their candidates for the presidencies of of both houses of parliament. That's not exactly a very tantalizing offer. But nevertheless, uh, that that probably will change. And it is possible that uh, one or two other parties and and, and some individuals will will, uh, be willing to, to side with them. At the moment, however, it's the Lega. It's Matteo Salvini, uh, uh, which has the whip hand. They, with Forza, got 37, 38% of the vote. And uh, it's thought they are most likely to to be the ones who will be able to pull together uh, over 40% uh, required by by pulling in other parties. But uh, um, Salvini himself is is a pretty nasty character. who will be much more difficult to, as an ally than Berlusconi would have been. And he, um, he for example, said uh, about uh, immigrants that what they, Italy needed was a mass cleansing street by street and neighborhood by neighborhood. And he's spoken of selective ethnic cleansing of, of migrants in Italy. Um, there are 600,000 people in, in Italy at the moment who have come from... Uh, North Africa, and um, th- their fate is is hanging in the balance. And Berlusconi's position in all of this, I suppose, will still be fairly critical, Paddy. Will it? What, where does he stand now? Because he had hoped, of course, to emerge as the um, his party would have been the leading party on the right. He would have been in a position, maybe, to to possibly choose the next prime minister. He's he's barred from holding office well, himself, but he, he certainly hoped that. But he did this deal with Salvini, and he puts him in a difficult position. I asked uh, Italian journalists what they thought uh, Berlusconi would do, and they shrugged their shoulders and said that he was very pragmatic, and, and, and Berlusconi was quite likely to recognise the best that he can get now is uh, his party in a, in a, a minority position in, in, in government, and that he, he will go for that. There had been talk of, of an alliance between himself and the uh, PDs, uh, a sort of grand alliance, rather like the German uh, alliance that, that's now uh, in government, the coalition uh, between the Christian Democrats and, and the Social Democrats in Germany. But unfortunately for, for Berlusconi, Forza and the PDs don't, simply don't have anything near enough votes to begin to talk about forming a government together. So in other words, what, what we... What we won't see in Italy is what we've seen in Germany, where the centre-left and the centre-right have come together to form a government. There simply aren't the numbers in Italy to do that. No, they've been squeezed by the populists, and they just don't have have the numbers. And um, um, it's true also that uh, in in the PDs, it would be quite likely that uh, the the rank and file would rebel as indeed some of them, some of the Social Democrat uh, rank and file rebelled in, in, in Germany at the thought of propping up another Conservative government, uh, or they, what they see as a Conservative government, mm-hmm. at a time when they have to rebuild their image uh, and fight off challenges from the left and from populism. And so, Paddy, how is all this viewed from Brussels then, where you have um, two, two, the two leading, I suppose, leading forces that have emerged, they've, they're, they're at, at Best, you're a skeptic. Maybe at worst, you're a hostile. I mean, how, so how is it seen from Brussels now that the 
five star and and the, the Liga have have kind of the whip hand after this election. Well, I think there's a considerable amount of nervousness. Uh, people here are relieved that both of the parties who had been supporting the idea of a referendum to pull Italy out of the euro uh, pulled back from that position during the course of the election campaign. So they both are committed to remaining within the euro. They're both committed to remaining within Europe, but very much a different a reformed Europe. One probably much more like what the Poles and the Hungarians, uh, the bad boys in the, in the Council of Ministers, uh, are, are looking for now. So it is going to strengthen that uh, uh, element of Euroscepticism within the European Union, not, not lead to, as I say, uh, to any, any attempts to pull countries out of, of, of the Union, but they will certainly obstruct um, the process of integration and process of change within in the European Union. And it, it's bad news. I mean, Italy, after all, is the fourth largest economy in, in, the Europe, in Europe. And uh, where Italy goes, uh, others will follow. Uh, the other thing is that, is that both of them, the, the populists, have said that they want to tear up the uh, EU's disciplines on, on uh, fiscal controls. Uh, they want to spend more money and um, to hell with, uh, with debt. Uh, that would be certainly very problematic in Brussels. And I mean, Paddy, as you mentioned, Italy, Italy is the fourth largest economy in the EU. And also Italians have always been very strong supporters of the EU project. So how worrying is it, you know, from a Brussels perspective or from a, an EU establishment perspective to see Italy now take this kind of turn towards zero scepticism? Yeah, one of the Italians I was talking to yesterday made an interesting point. Uh, she said that the, the, the thing about the um, Italian Euroscepticism is that it was largely driven by a, a, a sense that, that they could no longer rely on Europe in the way they had in the past. In a sense, what they were calling for was more Europe, not less. Euroscepticism elsewhere, whether it's in France or in Germany, or, 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 or is, is actually the opposite. It's about uh, Europe doing too much. So it's a very different type of Euroscepticism. I think there's an awareness in Brussels that that is, that is the case too. There's still strong support for the European Union, uh, but a desire to see them do more, particularly, for example, on the migration issue, where the, the inability of the European Union to generate sufficient solidarity among member states when it came to redeploying re uh, migrants derived in Italy was, was a source of considerable disappointment in, in Italy. But it was a case of wanting the Europe, Europe to do more. And Paddy, you mentioned there the, the poor performance of the, de the, um, the Democratic Party, the, the outgoing party of government. It's yet another example of a centre-left party support sort of collapsing in a, in a European election. We've seen, we saw it in Germany. The SPD are back in government now, but their, their vote, they suffered, they had a really horrific election. We saw it with the socialists in France and so on. So what do you think is going on there for the centre-left in particular? Well, I, I, I fear that we're at a historic turning point for, for the centre, centre, uh, social democratic uh, left. Because, as you say, they are being squeezed, and uh, there, is, there is no stopping the process. In fact, in, in some ways, I think that, that this, as a trend, is as important as the growth of populism in, in Europe. The uh, decline, and maybe fatally, finally, of the social democratic parties, which have ruled Europe for a good part of the last century, 
uh, is, is something that is profoundly uh, important and historic, actually. Uh, and very troubling to the to the centre ground of, of European politics. And finally, Paddy, just to bring it back down to it- Italy, what happens now? Uh, negotiations begin on, on possible coalition um, uh, permutations. Uh, how long is all of that process likely to take? Um, how long is a piece of string? Uh, basically, nobody knows. Um, it does appear that uh, Mattarella, the, the president who has to initiate the talks, uh, won't start doing it until the beginning of April. And then predictions are that it will take at least a couple of months to produce something. It may not produce anything at all, uh, but nobody wants another election because uh, the, the, the fear is that it would simply strengthen the hand of, of the populist parties. So two months to three months at the very least. And in the meantime, the, the Democratic Party uh, continues, in, continues in government, gentle only yeah, prime minister. Yeah, the yeah. government which manages the economy, but which, which is not capable of, of initiating anything substantial. It, it'll just keep things turning o- over, and, and that's not something which uh, anybody wants to see for any length of time. Okay. Paddy, we'll leave it there for now. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Cheers. That's a short clip of the President of Slovakia, Andrzej Kiska, urging the country's Prime Minister, Robert Fico, to take action over the murder last month of the investigative journalist Jan Kuciak and his girlfriend, Martina Kuznirova. For more on this story, Dan McLaughlin, our Eastern European correspondent, joins me now. Dan, can you tell us first just who, who was Jan Kuciak and what were the circumstances of the murder of himself and his girlfriend? Jan Kuciak was an investigative journalist uh, working for uh, one of the news portals in um, in Slovakia called Actuality. Um, and he was only 27 years old, um, but he had a decent reputation already as a, as a dogged um, uh, investigative reporter. He looked into a lot of um, corruption allegations regarding businessmen and some politicians in Slovakia in the past. Um, but when um, his body was found alongside his girlfriend, Martina Kushnirova, about 10 days ago now, um, they were both shot dead um, in his house outside Bratislava. Uh, he had been investigating what um, would certainly have been the most high-profile investigation that he'd been, that he'd been working on. Um, he was looking into possible connections between political figures close to the ruling party, which is called Smer in Slovakia, um, and people close to the prime minister, Robert Fico, and um, businessmen, Italian businessmen who had settled in Slovakia and who allegedly have connections to the Andrangheta uh, mafia group, which is based in Calabria in Italy. That's what he was working on when, uh, when he was found uh, dead. And the material from that research that he'd done has subsequently been published and has had a huge resonance throughout the country. And where does the investigation into the murders stand? Has anybody been arrested? No one's been arrested. Several people have been detained. There have been a couple of waves of detentions. Um, The main one was last Friday um, when uh, seven people, we think they were all Italians, including people who were mentioned in that final story uh, by Jan Kuczak, um, they were detained in eastern Slovakia. They were kept for questioning for about 48 hours, but then all of them were released. So... Uh, the Prime Minister Robert Fico and his Interior Minister Robert Kalinak uh, and also the police chiefs in Slovakia are under major pressure to come up with something soon. Um, Mr. Fico says that 
uh, a, a team of the best investigators, the best investigators in the country, from the prosecutor's office, from the intelligence services, from the interior ministry, are all working on this. And the government has put up a one million euro reward for invest uh, for information leading to um, the uh, the resolution of this case and the and the and the killer or the killers being caught. But at the moment. Um, as far as we know, there haven't been any major breakthroughs and there certainly have not been any arrests. And uh, we had that short clip there, Dan, from the president of Slovakia. So what, what has he been saying then to the prime minister? What kind of um, friction has this caused between the two of them? Well, they have been strong rivals for a while. Um, Andrei Kishka is a, a more liberal figure than Robert Fico. And they went head to head for the presidency a couple of years ago. And against a lot of expectations, uh, Andrei Kishka won. So they're not on great terms. Kishka has been a critic of Fico and his populist government for a long time. But they've really come to that that uh, um, political disagreement and criticism. It's really come to uh, come to a head now over this issue. Andrei Kishka has said uh, over the weekend that he thought it was time for Mr. Fico either to dissolve his government and call snap elections or to have a complete overhaul of the cabinet. That would mean getting rid of key figures, uh, especially the interior minister, Robert Kalinak, who's been a long time, very close rival, very uh, very close ally, I'm sorry, of Mr. Fitzos, and a very influential figure. Um, in response, and, and I should also mention that there were, there were big protests last Friday uh, in Bratislava, the capital, and several other towns and cities around Slovakia. Um, about 20,000 people came out demanding that the killers be caught and an end to crime and corruption. And Andrei Kishka took part in that. And it was a very strong anti-government demonstration. Now, in response to Mr. Kishka's calls for either snap elections or a, a major government shakeup, um, Mr. Fico has refused. He said he, he doesn't believe that the, the government or he personally is responsible for what happened to Jan Kuchak and Martina Kushnirova. And He's accused um, uh, the president and opposition parties and elements of the media of simply using this case to try and attack the government and to try and force Mr. Fico out of power. Um, the most striking thing yesterday, when people were expecting Mr. Fico to really address the substance of the case and tell the media and tell the nation what's what uh, breakthroughs have been achieved, what progress has been achieved in the investigation, he instead came up with a... a, a what many people saw as a very bizarre conspiracy theory, suggesting that that uh, President Kishka is somehow working in cahoots with George Soros, the uh, Hungarian-American liberal financier, who is um, seen as the mastermind, uh, the mastermind in various conspiracy theories, popular among right-wing and populist parties uh, across Central and Eastern Europe and and even further afield in Russia and in and in America, for instance, as well. So um, so we have a, a, a political crisis really now with with president and prime minister at loggerheads, with uh, smaller members of the coalition government considering whether to stay in that coalition government or not. Um, and lots of talk about more protests. There will be another round of big protests on Friday and the potential for snap elections hanging over the country and hanging over Fico's government still. And the protests that took place on Friday, Dan, I presume the, the, the day followed the publication of the, of the information, if you like, that Jan Kushnak had been working on before his murder. That's right, they did. Um, 
the information was published not only by major papers in Slovakia and, and online publications, but internationally as well. Um, and it had a, a major impact on especially young people. Um, there were big protests over the last couple of years, big anti-corruption protests organized by students and young Slovaks. And the same groups got together to organize what essentially was an anti-government protest and a, and a demand for an end to corruption. Um, so they were, they were very big last week and we expect similar numbers to come out this Friday and for pressure to continue to build on, on Mr. Fico and on his interior minister, Robert Kalinak. The, um, uh, one of the smaller parties in the coalition government, it's called Most Hid, and it unites some Slovaks with, with members of the Hungarian minority in Slovakia. They've said that they will decide next Monday whether to stay in the coalition. If they decide to leave, then we could be on a, a fast track to early elections. And the story that, that he had been working on, I mean, is that story itself still developing? Are there others kind of working on exploring these links, alleged links between people at the top of the you know, p- political establishment and, and uh, Italian mafia? Um, or, you know, has, has whoever did this, have they kind of managed to stop this track now and, if you like, silence this, this investigation? Um, well, we, we don't know. Um, uh, we still don't know who, who, who obviously is behind the whole thing. We don't know. Um, how accurate and um, uh, and how uh, full the investigation was that Jan Kuczak, um was was uh, conducting before he was killed, but certainly the uh, his colleagues, um, not only at the publication where he worked, but at other major publications in Slovakia, have said that they will continue to investigate. They've said that. Um, Despite this tragedy uh, and Jan Kuczak not being around to complete his investigation, they will do it for him. Um, so they are investigating. There are two main tracks at the moment. One is on um, alleged links between uh, particularly a couple of people who are, who are close to Prime Minister Fico. Um, one was a, um, a, a close advisor of his and another was a senior member of the National Security Council. In Slovakia, they are both alleged to have had business connections with an Italian businessman in Slovakia who is connected to the Indrangheta. The second strand of the investigation uh, was looking at how they were potentially making um, making their money, and there is an allegation that these Indrangheta groups had moved to Slovakia and were um, involved in some kind of uh, a, a fraud involving EU subsidies for farms. EU agricultural subsidies, which have proved very lucrative for lots of people in Eastern Europe, um, there is an allegation that that was a major, uh, a major um, source of money flows for the for Indrangheta members in Slovakia and funneling funneling um, that cash back to Italy. Um, the Italian authorities have said that they did warn the Slovak authorities several years ago about these specific Indrangheta members. The fact that uh, they had relocated to Slovakia and were almost certainly involved in illegal activity. Um, Mr. Kalinak, the Slovak interior minister, has suggested that they did not get sufficient information there from their Italian colleagues to act on this. So this is another key part of um, the investigation around what's happened, the investigation around whether uh, Mr. Fico's government has done enough to combat uh, potential mafia infiltration of, of, of Slovakia, an infiltration which could potentially go to very high levels in politics. 
And I, I presume that just to come back to the murder and we'll, we'll, we'll leave there. I mean, the murder of a journalist is shocking. And I think then the murder also um, of, of his girlfriend, Martina Kushnerova, I presume that caused particular revulsion, you know, in, in the country because um, essentially she wasn't even connected to this story, if you like. Absolutely. It caused widespread revulsion um, and shock. I mean, there's, Slovakia is a place where... Um, Journalists are often criticised by politicians um, and powerful businessmen when when they invest when they investigate their activities. Um, I mean, Fico himself, for example, the prime minister, has in the past called journalists snakes and hyenas and anti-Slovak prostitutes. This is the kind of rhetoric which has led people to say, well, actually. The government has created an atmosphere in which this kind of thing, this kind of attack on a journalist and his girlfriend has become possible. Um, so there was wide, widespread revulsion over that. And the fact that it was such a brutal act, such a brutal killing, did immediately suggest to people in Slovakia um, and people looking at organized crime in the region that maybe this, this did involve an element from outside Slovakia because... Um, even though there have been clashes, as I said, between politicians and businessmen and investigative journalists over the years in Slovakia, they've never resulted in anything like this. So this did lead people immediately to think that, that outside groups could be involved. Um, and then when it was discovered that Jan Kuczak had been investigating the Indrangheta, a particularly vicious Italian mafia group, people started to think, well, there really could be something in this. And clearly um, uh, there is there is a major investigation now going on with this. Um, and EU partners and NATO partners of Slovakia will be particularly interested in what that turns up, considering that there could have been people very close to Prime Minister Robert Fico, potentially with access to confidential and secret information, who may also have had business links to members of the Italian mafia. So um, this has spiraled out not just across Slovakia, um, but also um around the European Union and among NATO members, there is great interest in, in where these various investigations will ultimately lead. OK, Dan, we'll leave it there for now, but thank you for that. That's all for this week. For more on these and other stories, go to irishtimes.com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now.